Hello all sentient beings and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast where we talk about all news, toys, and comics related to the... On this episode of Transmissions, we're going to talk with Daryl Wall of Giant Robot Comics about his exclusive Transformers Regeneration 1 cover. We'll talk toys with Fans Project Diesel and Impossible Toys Alicon. We'll talk comics with reviews of Robots in Disguise 21 and Transformers Prime Beast Hunters number 5. We have all this and so very much more on this episode of Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast where we talk about things that turn into other things. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by my crack team of Transformers experts, Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hey. And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers. All right, and we also have a very special guest. It's Daryl Wall of Giant Robot Comics. Daryl, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's great having you here. And we wanted to get you on because we know that you've been working with IDW to create a very, very special issue of Transformers Comics that was featured at your store. And so we just wanted to get you on and talk about that. Excellent. Uh, So, Daryl, can you tell us a little bit about this very special cover that was produced for IDW and how it's related to uh, your shop? I'm a lifelong Transformer fan, so I always kind of want to find some way to leave my mark on the fandom. Uh, and running a comic book store, IDW occasionally gives you the option to uh, get an exclusive cover. So after months of waiting, Transformers issue zero was finally coming up, and I was like, I'd really like a cover for that. And that's where it all started. Wow, so you just asked and begged, and they said, sure, why not? Pretty much. They've got a, a form that you can kind of email everybody. And uh, once the right issue came up, I gave my proposal what I'd like. And then from there, I got in contact with Casey Collier, who I was like, I really want him to do the cover. And um, yeah, it, it just happened like that. Wow, that's cool. So your comic book store is located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, right? Pretty close. We're in Dartmouth. It's all the same municipality thing. With okay. Okay. So, so what was your inspiration for designing this cover for Regeneration One Number Zero? Um. Well, the first thing is, I was like, I really wanted to look like the Decepticons. Kind of came to town and wrecked house. Um, <laughs> but that that wasn't going to fly, I guess. And the issue was originally slated to come out on September 11th which probably wouldn't have been a good thing for anybody. (laughs) Right. So uh, it got pushed back a week, and still the Decepticons are just kind of hanging out in Halifax. They're not really destroying anything. Cool. And what is the significance of the town clock that's depicted on the cover for the city of Halifax? Uh, The town clock is right in front of an old base that's been there forever, and basically that's the line of sight from the base to the harbor. And uh, that clock tower's just been there, and it still has a line of sight from the harbor. And, uh, yeah, it's Citadel Hill. Awesome. So after you pitched this idea, what was the process like for working with IDW and Hasbro? You mentioned that you specifically asked for Casey Collar on the cover. So did you actually talk to him about it? Uh, I did. I got a few emails, and I did this really awful Photoshop where I took pictures from other comics and even pictures of toys. And I was like, this is what I'd like. And Casey's like, oh, I can do that for sure. And within like three days, he had given me a rough sketch of everything, and it was just beautiful. Awesome. What was the process for getting the cover actually approved? How many people had to look at this before everything was okay and everything got approved? Well, uh, basically every step had to be approved by Hasbro, so I didn't have to do much of that. But 
Once Casey did his original sketch, that got approved. He did his line art, that also got approved. Uh, when JP above did the colors, they had to get approved. And there was even slight differences in the colors from when the, the first thing they showed me from IDW to what actually is on the cover. Cool. Uh, what's the response been like for for getting this exclusive issue in your store? It's been amazing. We've had everybody, different walks of life, different ages, just coming in. A lot of people just think it's cool to see their city and Transformers hanging out. Uh, but other people around the world just like, oh, that's a cover and I need to have it for my collection. Cool. On the news report that you were in, it mentioned that there's a convention coming up in Halifax called Halcon. Are you also working with that? I'm not working with that. I'm uh, just going to be there as a seller. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the Halcons on the cover was short for Halifax Decepticons, but also could play into the Halcon convention. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you mentioned that you're a lifelong Transformers fan, so how did you get into it? Uh, was that when you were a kid back in the 80s? And Yeah, a kid in the 80s. My first guy was Gears, and I've just been a fan ever since. And you loved everything, the toys, cartoons, comics? Everything. 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 And, and being in Canada, I grew up, well, I didn't grow up, I was in high school. Well, Beast Wars was just amazing at that time, because it was done in Canada, so it was shown quite a bit here. Oh, nice. In terms of uh, Transformers, are there a lot of pe- a lot of Transformers fans in Halifax? Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, you especially notice it when new toys come out, and they're quickly snapped up. And working in a comic book slash toy store, I get to hear stories of everybody going on their toy hunts and everything. And once a month, we host a toy trade night where a bunch of collectors all get together and we talk toys and we trade and sell with each other. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. And uh, so you mentioned, uh, or we talked about HalCon a little bit. So have you ever actually been to TFCon, which is in Ontario? I have not been to TFCon, unfortunately. It always seems to be working around the time. I, I've been to BotCon for the last seven years, so when TFCon comes around, I've usually used up all my vacation time, and everyone else is going on vacations. Ah, okay. Yeah, so our own Cybertronian Beast lives uh, right down the street from the TFCon uh, location, so if you ever get there, you should you should definitely meet up with him. So what you're yeah. saying is I have a place to stay now. <laughs> Down the street, these these Americans don't have any idea. I'm I'm, I'm two hours away. <laughs> two hours is a short drive. <laughs> I, I get a hotel room. That's 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 about where I go. So he's saying you can sleep on the floor of his hotel room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, are you still collecting toys? Oh, for sure. Uh, I restarted collecting pretty hardcore uh, during Robots in Disguise and. Uh, I'm one of those dirty completionists, so I have to get everything. And I have pretty much everything from 1990 to today, European and American Hasbro. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. That's, uh, we, we're going to need a picture now. <laughs> I actually just started adding on to our house to give myself a second room. <laughs> we have to get in the comments. It's sad and stories. cool all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You might have a problem. <laughs> Very good. Uh, one cool thing I'd like to talk about uh, IDW is uh, like people like John Barber, who mm-hmm. uh, writes and edits. Uh, he actually was my contact for getting this cover, and uh, he'd phone me every once in a while, just tell me how things are going. And I was like, it seemed really weird to get a phone call from somebody who you think is a writer and is also doing all these other jobs, and he's just a really awesome guy. 
Wow, that's great to, to get such a great uh, personal contact. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Did they give you any exclusive shit for this? No, I, I got the comic, and that was about it. Uh, when yeah. I was at BotCon, I bought the original art off Casey, and uh, so I will soon have a nicely framed copy of the art that's cool. and the original comic beside it. Is that the actual size, or oh, is it huge. blown up it's at all? like probably two or three times the size of the actual comic. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in addition to the Hasbro toys, are you buying any of the third-party figures? Third-party toys are one of those things. I really like them, but there's so many companies. I have pretty much everything Fans Project has put out, except for a couple and a few make toys, but uh, I try to stay away from everybody who isn't Fans Project or make toys. All right, and so you mentioned Gears was the first Transformer you got. Do you have a favorite Transformer? Um, There's so many of them. Uh, I'd have to say, personality-wise, and the fact that he's basically been enduring for so long, I'd say Starscream or Soundwave would be one of my favorites. Um, but if I went with my, uh, I don't know, just favorite on a design thing, I love Weird Wolf. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I had him as a kid. <laughs> There's just something about him. He's a wolf. He's got a sword for a tail. He's just awesome. A few weeks ago, we talked about a new third-party weird wolf that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Watch you. Uh, yes. I have that mm. sitting in my pile of loot right now. <laughs> ah. Awesome. <laughs> so what's your favorite Transformers quote? Hmm. Let's say... Uh, such heroic nonsense. <laughs> That's mine. Good, good one. Thank you. And of course, you can't say that without picturing Megatron blowing a hole in Ironhide's head. Poor Ironhide. <laughs> Just no good for him. It's the worst scene in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Seeing Starscream just turn to dust in front of your face is pretty tear-wrenching as well. Oh, yeah. I guess any scene involving that first year of toys just it wasn't good. So let's talk a little bit about your store, Giant Robot Comics. Uh, how long have you been open? Uh, we've been open for three years. Uh, well, we're in our third year right now. We opened in May of 2011. And actually, if you look at the cover for the Transformer Regeneration 1, Casey put the hands of the clock pointing to 5 and 11 for the first month and first year we were open. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, we've got a little bit of everything. We do used toys, back issues, comics, graphic novels, uh, but we really focus on the toys a lot. Oh, cool. And uh, what's your staff like? We saw on your website you've got a bunch of interesting people working for you. Yeah, I opened the store with my buddy uh, Anthony, who we call Pugsley, and uh, right now we've got Heather and Katie, who are our two lady... Uh, comic book slash magic geeks. Awesome. So you've got two women working in a comic book store. It's true. So uh, are you in the Bermuda Triangle? No. Um, Canada, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing and uh, ladies are getting into comics more. And uh, sometimes they like to have another female tell them that, yeah, by the way, this one isn't all about just her big boobs and such. So uh, it's good to have somebody to... Uh, to read the comics that I'm not interested in. So do you think that actually brings in more business for you? Definitely. Plus, there's always the guys that want to ogle the girls. <laughs> so do you, you have to have some security around to, you know... Yeah, that's, they're like, all right, I'm going to walk you to your car. <laughs> Especially after Friday Night Magics. 
what's the most popular comic that you're selling right now? Most popular? Um, from DC, it would definitely be like Batman or Detective Comics. From Marvel right now, either Infinity, uh, which is a major crossover event, or uh, Deadpool, or all-new X-Men. Cool. And uh, for people who don't live near Halifax or near Dartmouth, do you uh, let people remotely buy comics from you, like set up a pull list and have them mailed out, or do you not handle uh, mail-order stuff? No, we've got uh, the guy who actually updates my website lives in Newfoundland, so uh, I send him his comics usually once every three months. Uh, I've got another guy in Alberta I do the same thing for, uh, and two guys in Ontario. Oh, awesome. So uh, since you're running a comic book store and, you know, it's with the age of uh, digital media, uh, do you have any concerns about the future of comic books in general? Not really, because much like any digital media right now, the cost is just too high. Like, why would I spend $3.99 on a PDF of a comic where I can go to a store and pay $3.99 for a real comic? Right. PDF is never going to be worth anything. So it's just one of those things. Do you think uh, in the future, if uh, I don't know if there if the pricing model will change for digital comics, do you think that might be an issue? If it changes, yes. But at the same time, most people that I talk to, if they're going to read digitally, generally they're downloading it illegally, anyways. So they're not okay. digital's not making any money there either. Damn okay. right! High five. <laughs> <laughs> I read every comic this week, and it cost me nothing. <laughs> Yeah, but I bought something. Well, Please okay. support your local comic sellers. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. I only download illegally the shitty ones. Red Hood and the Outlaws? <laughs> my, my Little Pony. Oh, My Little Pony. Oh. I actually did a tour of IDW during last year's BotCon, and it was funny because one of the guys that was there working, doing the lettering for the, one of the My Little Pony comics, and we asked him what he's doing, he's like, I'm doing what I tell everybody. I'm working on the number one IDW comic. I just don't tell them what one it is. <laughs> yeah. I actually do recall hearing that the My Little Pony book is uh, very, very, very popular. Yeah, like most issues get a second printing. If not, I think the first issue has five or six printings. Yeah, that's right. My wife reads the shit out of that book. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you if you want to attract female readers, that's probably a good place to start. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> well, and they've recently gotten the Cartoon Network license, and they have a Powerpuff Girls book coming out. I'd be surprised if that didn't, you know, jump up right up there with My Little Pony. Yeah, that just came out last week. We sold a bunch of them, and people can't wait for Samurai Jack. That's yeah, I, I love that cartoon. I like the Powerpuff Girls, too, so I wouldn't be ashamed to buy one of those. Yeah. I'm waiting to see if they're going to do a Johnny Bravo. Hoo-ha! Yeah. <laughs> oh, mama. <laughs> so, uh, as I'll open it up. Anybody else have any other questions for Daryl? You know, I think the I think the piracy thing is actually an important topic. Because, you know, when I listen to other podcasts on comics and they bring in artists or writers, they just hate the subject. They don't want to talk about it. They they hate the people that do it. They have there's there's so much love lost between them. But Daryl, do you find that that people being able to get these comic books as freely online is actually bringing more people into your store? I don't know if it's more, but I know a lot of people. I don't know if it's kind of awful to say, but I think everybody steals something. 
I personally would never download a comic book because it's a comic book store. But have I downloaded music or TV shows? Most likely I have. Um, that's my way of saying yes, but without saying yes. <laughs> right. So it's one of those things. But it's the same thing if you talk to an actor. He'd be like, yeah, I hate people who download my movies because they're taken away from his livelihood. An artist would be the same way. You wouldn't download a car, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, if you use that analogy, if I could test drive every single car on the planet and I found myself only driving a Tesla, I'd chances are I'd go out and buy a Tesla and be like, this is the car I like. This is what I'm enjoying. Why not back the thing that you support or not supporting, I guess. Exactly. So like, you know, if, if somebody downloads every comic book that comes out every week and, you know, they find that they're only reading one of them, first of all, then, you know, the rest of them that they downloaded doesn't really matter. And that, you know, I would think the average person's like, you know, this is actually a good book. I'm going to go in and start buying them. Or a lot of people I find, they're like, oh, I read the whole series, download. I'll buy the graphic novel or the trade paperback just to have right. on the shelf. Right. you got to think, though, that the, the word of mouth is still, that analogy still plays true. Whatever happened to, you know, one guy, regardless of how that person got the book, reads it and says to their friend, did you read the new whatever book? And they said, no, I haven't read it. And they say, well, you should read it. It's fucking awesome. And that person that they told gets it. They might get it illegally, sure. But they may go to their local comic book shop and they may pick it up, right? So the word of mouth adage still rings true, regardless of how that first person got the book. I'd agree to that. I just, I don't think, it's my personal opinion with the people I've talked to that piracy is actually helping, not not harming, but it's just an opinion. Well, it's it's definitely, I mean, it was born out with the music industry, at least they they fought digital downloads tooth and nail, but then after iTunes was so successful, it's now... They're selling more now than ever. Right, exactly. I think that's that thing, like they're charging a dollar for a song, people are like, oh, a dollar, that's nothing, but if you're like... Here's $27 for a CD. That's where the balance, I think, comes in. Yeah, and like you mentioned right now, the comics digitally are the same price as the physical. So it's just simple economics. Once the price goes down and the ease of use goes up, more people will be you know, incentivized to purchase digitally. But right now, with the you know, parity of the price, why not get it in paper? Exactly. Same thing for video games. Like, why would I buy a game on Xbox for $50 when I can go to Walmart and buy the same game for maybe $47 and actually have a disc? Right. And then when you're done with it, take it to EB. Exactly. And get three cents for it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> EB. All right, I think we'll we'll wrap up our interview here. Uh, again, I want to thank Daryl Wall for coming on to our podcast Uh he runs the store Giant Robot Comics, a comic book store in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia in Canada. And he recently worked with IDW to get an exclusive cover for the their latest issue in their series, Regeneration 1, which was Regeneration 1 number 0. So there's a cover for that comic that you can only buy from Daryl's store, Giant Robot Comics. And we all got a couple of copies thanks to some friends in Canada who helped us out and actually came to his store and, and picked them up for us. So glad everybody in Canada lives close together that we were able to pull that <laughs> off. Yeah. So, Daryl, uh, how can people get in touch with your store? Can you tell us uh, your website and email address, Twitter, all those good things? 
Sure. Uh, GiantRobotComics.com. Shop at GiantRobotComics.com is our main email address. GiantRobotComics with an X is our Twitter. And you can check us out on Facebook as well. Great. And uh, Daryl has agreed to stick around for the rest of the podcast, so we'll get to hear some of his, his insights on some of the things we're talking about. So stick around. All right, so we're going to move on to our toys section. So, Cybertronian Beast, what's the latest toy news you've got for us? Well, I've got the newest pre-orderable piece from Fans Project. This is their not Stunicon Motormaster. It's called Diesel. This is the last part that's needed for their Menasaur figure. They're calling it Intimidator. And for the first, what's it, uh, about a week or so, they had it on an early bird pre-order bonus special for one nineteen ninety nine, so one hundred and twenty bucks. But now that it's past uh, September the twenty sixth, you can now only buy it for one forty nine ninety nine. So that price jumped up thirty bucks. But uh, it's the only it's the last part that you need to make Intimidator, and it's humongous. In robot mode, it's Voyager size, and the trailer contains all of the add on parts. So you've got the feet, you've got the hands, you've got all kinds of bits to make uh, your not menasaur slash intimidator, and uh, it's a it's an awesome looking figure, humongous. I saw it this year when it was at uh, TFCon. Fans Project Core had a booth set up there, and they had this sucker sitting there in all its glory. It looked amazing. Cool. So have you already picked this one up? I, I pre-ordered it. Ah, okay. I made sure that I got that thirty dollar off bonus by pre-ordering it early. Yeah, so I'm I'm in for the uh, 119 price. I was a little shocked that they they put the uh, price after a you know like a early bird sp- uh, special kind of price because we had all heard that it was going to be 120 dollars and uh, and then it came out as going to be an early bird price and then afterwards it's going to be 150. So it seems like this extra 30 dollars is just kind of tacked on. It's just you know extra. So not overly thrilled about that, but but whatever. Yeah, you got your price in so. <laughs> Yeah, as long as I'm I'm happy, I I can't do anything about anyone else, right? Yeah. So you'll have to show us uh, your not menasaur when when it comes in and give us some pictures of and give us a review of that. Oh, for sure. The last two limb pieces, last chance and downforce. I have uh, I've just finished doing reviews on them, and I'm going to be editing them them up soon. So they're they're fantastic looking figures. So I've got all four limbs, just waiting for Diesel, and I think he's expected out. Uh, I don't know what they said for him. Um, I'm assuming March. Everything's coming out in March right now, so we're all waiting a bit. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a really cool piece, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of people have got this thing. Awesome. Okay, uh, Jeremy, I think uh, you've been in the midst of moving this week, so it was probably hard for you to find something to talk about, right? Yeah, any, any waking minute was spent either packing or unpacking, and my wife would kill me if I was looking at anything that was not... Move related. <laughs> <laughs> so Yoshi, what did you find? I found a third-party blur action figure. Uh, this was uh, just recently brought up. It's uh, it, it, the unofficial blur SXS dash R zero two. It's it's based on the uh, IDW uh, version of blur from uh, the Cybertronian mode. It it looks pretty badass to me. Uh, a lot of detail, a lot of extra bulk to it. It just, yeah. Oh, it's sexy. It's sexy. <laughs> what makes it sexy for you? I like the um, I like the alt mode. 
I definitely think it it evokes the essence of a, a race car. Yeah. But not like a Star Wars speedster kind of thing, more of an actual car kind of mm. kind of feel. Uh huh. But uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely definitely sexy looking. It is. It it, it feels like a, a Cybertron vehicle too. It doesn't yeah. feel like something that they just. Yeah, well, this is how the parts mesh together. Yeah. I, yeah. The the head is definitely definitely the IDW head. I could have definitely gone or would have liked a little bit more smooth lines for Blur, but mm-hmm. I can I can see where uh, you know where they had to you know keep it more blocky because he's obviously got the robot mode that they got to work with. Is his is his personality still the same as the the G one personality? Well, that he talks real fast. That he talks real fast and he's ridiculously quick. Well, he's definitely got the speed, but I don't think he's quite as hyper as in the cartoon. Well, in his word bubbles, they just they just talk with him all in one giant sentence, right? His word bubbles, they don't have any spaces. Oh, there you go. I, w- I assume, when I'm reading it, I assume that he's just talking super fast. Uh, I think that was only in the Regeneration 1. I think in the IDW universe, he, at least they, they don't change the word bubbles in the IDW comics. Yeah, I think it's just more focused on the physical speed. Oh, okay. I'm mixing my titles again. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's actually he's a little bit more hard edged in the IDW comics. You know, he's a he's a little more bitter because uh, his backstory is that he was you know the premier racing champion on Cybertron before the war broke out, and you know after the after the war started, his you know his racing career was over, and he just he's lost you know everything like uh, just like all the other Autobots. That's why he's got no sponsorship stickers on him. <laughs> what about you, Charles? You got anything picked out for this week? Yeah, so I found the impo- on. Uh, it's by Impossible Toys. It's an Alicon figure. So these are the kind of alligator-like. They're not. They're kind of related to Sharkticons, but they were in the '86 movie, the first uh, robots that Hot Rod and Cup encountered when they crash landed on Quintessa. And they look kind of like alligators in their in their beast modes, and it looks pretty cool. It looks very accurate to the '86 movie, so it looks very you know very cool. And th- you can find these on uh, tfsource.com. And I looked at just uh, in general, this company Impossible Toys. They've done a lot of other movie themed figures. So uh, if that's something that interests you, I'd encourage you to check it out. They have a you know, a bunch of the Quintessons. They've made figures for the Quintessons and, uh, you know, some other things as well. So that looks pretty cool. Yeah, unfortunately, Impossible Toys, they kind of folded up shop recently. So they're not they're not making any more toys. But they did make some really cool stuff, the Alicon being one of them. They also made the Tetra Jets, which were their, their last one, I think. Or they did the Bumblebee kind of thing, the Bumble Jumper. But the Alicon is is really kind of cool. I did see one at this year at TFCon, and it uh, it looks really good. Oh, nice! And TF Source has it for fifty bucks. That's not you know an unreasonable price. No, their stuff was always very well priced. Uh, the uh, Impossible Toys guys they did a really good job keeping it down. Yeah, and it, it says they're in stock at TF Source, so I guess there won't be any more coming out. So if you're interested, grab it up right now. All right, uh, that'll wrap up our toy segment, and we're going to move on to comics. So, uh, Jeremy, you had a bit of news that you found uh, related to the Transformers comics or, or Transformers community in general. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I found this. Um, Margaret Scott on Twitter posted about this, and you know, she's 
one of the writers on Transformers Prime and on the Beast Hunters comic. And basically there's this site called graphicpolicy.com that their tagline is where comic books and politics meet. And earlier in September they had this posting about basically, I guess they surveyed on Facebook Transformers fans and they had the breakdown of like men to women and surprisingly it broke down to basically close to 60-40 men versus women. And I just... I thought that was pretty interesting to see how, I mean, we, we normally look at the Transformers fandom as being really, really male dominated. That was see, I, I was surprised at how close it actually is. I mean, especially with the way that the current comics are where there's basically no gender. It's just, they're all robots except for RC, you know, and it, it's more focused on the characters themselves. Rather than just, you know, robots that blow stuff up that tries, tries to appeal to boys. So it was just, it's really interesting to see the breakdown. Um, see how, how many of the fans are like single versus married. And, you know, I, I just I thought it was just pretty interesting to see stats like that. Yeah. I was also surprised they, they compared it to comics fans in general. And apparently even co- comics fans in general are even more in terms of men and women, the ratio is even more on parity. So Transformers is actually doing worse than comics fans in general, which was surprising to me. But I really, I really think looking at where Transformers probably came from, bef- you know, say 10, 15 years ago versus now, like I know when, when I look at conventions and stuff, you're seeing tons of women where you didn't see them before, like particularly doing things like cosplay where that seems to be really dominated by women, there's more opportunities for them to get involved, find something that they love in their particular niche in the fandom, and just embrace it. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember American Scott also organized like a, a photo with all the women Transformers fans at BotCon this year, didn't she? I believe I saw that. Yeah, I think I think I remember that. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. All right. Some other news, so uh, the Underbase, which is another Transformers uh, podcast, recently interviewed uh, IDW editor Carlos Guzman. So he's uh, one of the editors for Transformers comics. He, uh, John Barber is the main editor, but uh, he does he edits John Barber, since John also writes for Robots in Disguise. So uh, I took a listen to that interview, and he was really enthusiastic about Dark Cybertron, the upcoming uh, Transformers crossover, and actually what happens after it ends. So he was really enthusiastic about where the Transformers universe was going after Dark Cybertron ends. So that gave me a, uh, a little bit of hope that uh, Dark Cybertron would not be another soft reboot after, you know, it seems like IDW has been going through cycles where after two years, it usually does another soft reboot of their universe. So it seems like that's not going to happen in this case. Yeah, I think a lot of those soft reboots had been because of unhappiness with the state of the books. And if they're unhappy about the state of the books right now, then they're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Daryl, uh, how are the books selling in your store? Uh, they sell really well. Like when I first opened the store, because I'm a huge fan, I wanted to make sure I got all of the covers. So I was ordering maybe 10 during the uh, ongoing so that I would get two for myself and one for the uh, the incentive cover. And now I'm up to ordering 40, 50 copies of them, and um, they're just going like, oh, wow. like hotcakes. Oh, nice. That's definitely encouraging. 
Yeah, no, people seem, and um, but monstrosity, anything, they just seem to just latch on to uh, Transformers. And it's it's young kids, too, that you're like, I don't know if you're ready for this, but they definitely love the comic. What about Beast Hunters? Because we recently heard that that's been canceled as of issue eight. And I, I think I heard an interview with Margaret Scott that she said it was because of the numbers. Was that selling less than no the other uh, I found it was selling well for me at least uh nine times out of ten there's a dinobot on the cover which generally seems to help right hmm I'm wondering if maybe IDW was just trying to or maybe Hasbro in general was just trying to get rid of prime because they're ready to move on to the next thing like with the movie I would coming. say that's probably a pretty good guess yeah and I was really enjoying that series uh, I think they did a really good yeah. job car- on the characterization of the dinobots so it's a little disappointing. All right, so now we're going to move on to, we've got a couple of reviews, uh, so these are going to be very spoiler heavy, so uh, buckle up. (laughs) So we've got two comics to review today, uh, Robots in Disguise, number 21, and Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, number 5. So uh, for Robots in Disguise, number 21, uh, I guess I'll just start with a short overview. Uh, So this is uh, written by John Barber, and art is by Andrew Griffith Griffith and Livio Remondelli, and colors by Priscilla Tremontano and Livio Remondelli. Letters by Sean Lee and editor uh, Carlos Guzman. This comic is all about Soundwave and how Soundwave uh, views his relationship with Shockwave. So it's it's really interesting. It's kind of a it's like a combination present day and flashback. So all the present day scenes are done by the regular artist Andrew Griffith, and then all the past scenes are done by uh, Livio Ramondelli. And Livio Ramondelli is of course famous for the digital series uh, Autocracy and Monstrosity, and he also did Chaos uh, uh, back at the end of the old uh, ongoing series in 2011. I just want to say I loved that effect doing the past sequences with Livio. His his art is perfect for those flashback sequences. Yeah, I really I really like that too. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me when we had the annuals and they did them in the old Marvel Comics coloring style and everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so this this issue is it's really very much focused on Soundwave. It's from his point of view, so he's narrating the issue and he he's talking about all the dealings he's had with Shockwave in the past and how the Decepticons have come to this state. So uh, if you're not familiar with Robots in Disguise, recently uh, the Decepticons tried to take over New Icon after the uh, more the most recent uh, peace had been, had been established, but Megatron came back and wanted to take over again, and they were defeated again. So now the Decepticons have been exiled, along with the Autobots as well. So the Autobots were exiled as well, and all the neutral Cybertronians have uh, claimed new icon for their own so now the decepticons are out in the wilderness and they're kind of breaking down Soundwave is trying to assert himself his authority to take over and and rally the troops but the decepticons are pretty demoralized so they're not really listening to him and then Soundwave is reflecting on all his dealings with shockwave because it seems like shockwave has betrayed them as well since he's gone off and is doing his own thing and and is not helping out with uh, the Decepticons. So it's a it's a very Soundwave-heavy issue. I really liked, uh, you see Soundwave's relationship with Ravage, and it seems like Ravage is very much kind of a partner for him, and, you know, very much 
he bounces ideas off of him and, and, you know, trusts him and everything. So that was very interesting, interesting to see that relationship. We haven't really seen that before, uh, in the comics. And had Ravage talk, which was interesting again. I don't remember Ravage talking recently. Yeah. He's, he was, he was pretty chatty in this, uh, in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually cannot remember the last time Ravage spoke other than issue one of the Marvel series. Uh, I think he, yeah. I think he has spoken in the IDW comics at some point, but uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly where. But I think in the past he has. But uh, I'd be hard pressed to find it. <laughs> he he was never this chatty though. Right. I guess this also calls back to the recent Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number twenty, and that scene where all the Transformers who were constructed cold were getting their sparks burned out, and Soundwave was holding Ravage, saying, "Please, somebody help him." So. It was clear that they, you know, they had a close bond there. Right. And, uh, yeah, so one thing I noticed about this issue, it it kind of serves two purposes. So one is, you know, it gives some context to Soundwave and what his motivation is and shows, you know, shows a little bit of backstory of Soundwave and Shockwave's relationship. I think this is especially important for new readers who haven't read some of the previous IDW comics and it gives them, you know, some of the backstory that they might have missed. The other thing that I know this was that this is really kind of filling in a lot of continuity holes and, you know, doing a lot of retcons. Basically, you know, John Barber is kind of known for managing continuities and filling in filling in plot holes. And this is his issue saying, basically, yeah, you know, all those plot holes you think are in my stories, uh, they're they're actually not plot holes. And here's here's why. And I'm just going to I'm just going to show you how how I've, I've reconciled basically everything that's gone before. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, I think this is definitely like a big just setup issue. They're trying to, like you said, fill in holes, and it's basically just setting the stage for Dark Cybertron. Yep, I agree. It definitely felt like um, uh, it had a, a like a almost a clip show kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. it was. You know, it definitely did, gave you a lot of history on on Soundwave, but there there was no plot progression at all. And it was, but it, you know, it was almost a spotlight, really. Right. And and it does give a reader that hasn't read much of the IDW stuff that really good foundation of this is some of the stuff that's happened in the past. Yeah. And so it's clear that we're going to be coming back to that in the Dark Cybertron. So you need to have some basis in that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And th- I guess this is kind of followed the last four or five issues. It's been all set up for dark cybertron it's i mean i i don't know how you guys feel but for me it's it's it feels like the story's really stalled for the last 5 or 6 months after the after we had the big dramatic moment with megatron being defeated again and now we have the aftermath and the aftermath is kind of dragging on until we can in, until we can get to dark cybertron so it's it's just dragging on a little bit for me yeah i mean like like you all said it's like a spotlight and it's kind of like we've had multiple spotlights in the series since that when they started that prelude to Dark Cybertron. Right. So I'm guessing it's what it's kicks off in November. Right. So this is like this is the last regular issue before it's full on into Dark Cybertron. I I think this is we've got a second Soundwave issue coming in October. Oh. So this is the this is the Oh right. I guess this this was this was supposed to come out in September, but it was delayed. And then we've got Robots in Disguise number twenty two coming in October, and then we'll have Dark Cybertron start. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, also, the other thing is, I mean, I know it, it's kind of a little bit nitpicky, but the fact that all these issues are all happening simultaneously, like within the space of a couple of hours, it's just, you know, could could we move the story forward a little bit? It's like, does it does everything have to happen in the last six months and, you know, basically one evening? So that's just a, a little bit annoying for me. It's something that will read much better when you have the trade, but when you're going month by month, it just it really drags on. Yeah. And uh, so I, I won't go into all the details here, but there were just a lot of callbacks to other IDW issues here. So we had a lot of uh, scenes in the flashback scenes for Soundwave where we went all the way back to Spotlight Soundwave that was written by Simon Furman uh, back in, I believe it was 2008 or 2007. And we had scenes that called back to All Hail Megatron. We had scenes that called back to uh, the ongoing, the old ongoing from 2009 to 2011 and how Shockwave and Soundwave worked together to uh, rebuild Megatron. And it's it's very, you know, it's it's very much taking a lot of little continuity hiccups and kind of patching them up. So one, one thing that, that I just want to mention in particular is the OR-13, which is the kind of Energon, uh, Energon variant that was found on Earth. And that was a big plot point for the IDW series back when it started, back in uh, Infiltration. When Barber started using Shockwave in the recent Robots in Disguise series and had... Uh, Shockwave calling it OR-13 when he hadn't actually been there to hear it be named that. That was something that was a, a little bit of a, a... It seemed like a continuity glitch at, a, at the time, because why was Shockwave calling this OR-13 when it was only named by Starscream back in the original uh, story? And here, they just have a little bit, a little line of dialogue to kind of patch it up and say, you know, you thought Starscream originally named it, but he actually just took the name from Shockwave. And that's uh and and that's how they pave over that that continuity glitch. So yeah, so I I like to I like you know this issue as a as a kind of a spotlight on Soundwave. But yeah, I'm ready for Dark Cybertron. Can we get on with it? <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to Transformers Prime Beast Hunters number five. So Daryl and Jeremy, uh, do you guys want to take a uh, take a look at this? I still haven't read it. I guess I will. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I meant to read it at work, but I, uh, I should. I actually did work this week, so. Uh, I, I I used my lunch break on Wednesdays. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a pretty quick read, to be honest. I mean, it, same same number of pages, but it just seemed like I blew through it. I mean, it, not much. Well, I guess a lot happened, but you're split between the different groups of, of, of bots. So it's all within like the same time frame. So basically this is where the Transformers prime series is merging with the comic. And, you know, it starts off with snarl, like Grimlock is out, he's out doing something. So snarl's kind of sitting in the throne, having to make decisions. And he seems to be just as bad as, as is Grimlock. There is a, a bot on like the second, third page that kind of remind me of Cobra Commander. I thought that was kind of funny. He's this like blue bot with a silver, um, silver faceplate. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that was just kind of a nod. Basically, you see how, um, just how frustrated now that they're getting back to day to day lives after, you know, the excitement of the previous story arc. 
and then suddenly everything starts shaking. You see a picture of Cybertron with the um, the energy going back into the planet, and so you, you know you have the massive earthquakes we were expecting. All they're all living underground, and it's not really the place you want to be. <laughs> I mean, but they had no idea this was coming. So you you see like it's affecting everybody. No one knows what's happening, and then suddenly the the bots that were injured are all they've mostly been healed and they are feeling recharged and um you know you see the the planets coming to life again but all the cavens had the problems of like some of the dinobots are out in tunnels and now the way that they came is no longer the way that they can get back because of a cave-in I mean, you get some neat interactions with snarl and slag or or slug what they that's what they call them you get some interactions with Swoop and, and Grimlock. They seem to be paired up recently. But, I mean, one of the big problems that comes up is Energon is starting to fill in these caves and places that they've been living, which apparently used to be reservoirs. So, I mean, you're, you're seeing them start to deal with that, but you don't really, you don't really get much of a conclusion. You're just starting to see how the beginnings of this is starting to affect everybody. And, I mean, we know we have three more issues after this, so I imagine it's going to go pretty quick from here on out. I mean, right now they're all assuming it's it's an attack. They have no idea what's going on. But I, I would guess next the next issue would probably start integrating some of the Transformers Prime cast into the series. I enjoyed it for what it was. It's, but like I said, it was just really, really quick and didn't seem to have a lot of substance to it, but... I mean, it's a setup issue for the you know the the final arc, so we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, it, it kind of puts a dark spin on the end of uh, Transformers Prime because he's the Transformers Prime show when in the last episode when they you know use their their new Omega Lock and revitalize Cybertron, everyone was happy. You know, they thought their world had been restored, but here you see underground, you know, a lot of these bots are getting killed from the cave in, so. You know, right. their their it shows the other side of it. Yeah, their their restoration had lots of unintended consequences here. One thing I'm I'm wondering about is from Rage of the Dinobots, Ultra Magnus knew that there were survivors there. So I mean, surely he would have, you know, known that this would affect them. I'm wondering if maybe he just didn't realize that they had gone underground. Yeah, or, or maybe the time scale is such that he thought after millions of years. Everyone either had to be gone or dead. Right. Uh, one interesting thing I, I see, we have Scrounge. Yeah. And that's a, that's a character from the old Marvel G1 uh, series, and he shows up here, the old Marvel G1 comic series. And I think he gets killed here, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like he gets killed in one of the cave-ins. Yeah. Can't catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I thought was interesting was at the beginning there was um, a ship in in a um, a cavern that kind of reminded me of um, the ship they had in the Matrix movie, oh. kind of a squid-like looking ship. Oh, let me see. I didn't see that. Where... It, it's on like the second page of actual comic. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it just it reminded me of the, the Matrix and some of the ships, but the art in this book is still really good. It, it seems like they're they're throwing in a lot of little nods now that they know it's going to end. 
Yeah, so uh, just I, I don't think we mentioned the story was by uh, Margaret Scott and Mike Johnson, uh, written by Margaret Scott, and the art was by Augustin Padilla and inks by Jose Aviles, and colors by Priscilla Tremontano, Josh Burcham, and Josh Perez. So everyone helped out here. <laughs> and uh, letters by Tom B. Long, and the editor was Carlos Guzman again. Yeah, so I mean, it, I think this series will be probably better received once they're in trades. You have the first four issues, kind of a standalone story, and these last four is a standalone story. Yeah, and then one thing that was uh, you had at the end, you have Grimlock kind of going crazy here too. So, you know, right. he's trying to help all the bots and and do some crowd control, but he just loses it and transforms, and then you know uses his fire breath to get everyone away. And uh, cr- yeah, I mean, people are just happy to have Energon, and they're not seeing that they'll drown if if they don't you know get the higher ground. Yeah. But Chromia doesn't approve of his actions either. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're yeah we're I guess we're counting down now. So this was number five. Only three more issues left. Huh? Yep. So we'll uh, look forward to those last three issues. I, I'm wondering how they're going to resolve things. How what's going to happen when the Dinobots meet up with the the characters from Transformers Prime? Uh, probably not going to be a very happy welcome at the beginning. <laughs> Is there any past precedent for like a, a comic being announced that it was going to be closed down and then a bunch of people just buying the shit out of it so they kept continuing? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, there was there was a a series back in the eighties that had a four issue mini series that seemed to continue. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you smartass, <laughs> Daryl. Have you have you in your time running a comic book store? Have you seen any comics that were getting the axe, getting canceled, but then had some sales increases and were brought back. I remember something like that happening maybe with one of the female comics in the last couple of years. It might have been X-23 or something like that, where it was it was on the chopping block and enough people picked it up over the last two months that it boosted it up and it let it go for a little bit longer. Okay. I just pulled up the uh, diamond release for Beast Hunters number eight and... Uh, yeah, they basically kind of say it's the end without saying it's the end. The fight for Cybertron. Grimlock and the Dinobots meet up with old allies and try to stop the new threat to the planet. But as things get heated, the outcome becomes uncertain. A new beginning or the end of the Dinobots? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Very ominous. Very ominous. <laughs> it definitely reeks of uh, possible cancellation that they weren't quite sure what they were doing with it. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I think what we talked about earlier is probably accurate. They do have the movie coming up next year, and they've always done tie-in comics to the movies. And then there's also whatever animated series is going to follow Prime, I'm sure they would do some tie-ins to that too. So they're probably just rearranging resources. Yep. Didn't Michael Bay say something that there wasn't going to be comics this year, or was it just there weren't, wasn't going to be an adaptation this year with this movie? I'm not sure. I remember hearing something. Yeah, I think f- from the previous movie, the adaptation got leaked like a month ahead of time, and so that kind of spoiled the movie for some people. So I think Michael Bay was upset about that. I don't know. Well, he's probably upset that the adaptations are better than the movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, seriously, Sh- actually had characterization in the comics. <laughs> he had a character in the movie. Remember he got that parachute on his head? 
Huh? <laughs> he's wacky and goofy. That's what he's like. And he's not logical right. at all. Speaking of Shockwave, how about this classic review we got? Yes. So, and that, yeah, we're finishing up our uh, new comics review, and now we're going to get into the classic Marvel G1. So we've got issue number six, The Worst of Two Evils. So, Yoshi, why don't you take us into this? This is a kick-ass cover. We got we got Shockwave and Megatron seemingly in midair, and Shockwave is just holding Megatron while he just blasts the shit out of him. I think it symbolizes at the core the relationship these two have with each other. <laughs> so uh, this issue starts off, uh, Shockwave has left the Ark, and he flies out into the middle of the ocean towards uh, GB Blackrock's oil rig, and fires out some key people, kills uh, or attacks key sections, and basically claims the oil rig as his own. Now, I can only assume an oil rig is this armed to the teeth just to keep Greenpeace at bay, because I can't understand any other reason why an oil rig needs to be this fortified. So it was, a, it was an interesting beginning. Uh, we're introduced to Mr. Blackrock, who is this industrialist, and his female uh, head of IT computers, on the rig, who does suffer some uh, wounds from this attack. And her name is Josie Beller. And this is going to be really important in the future. So remember that name, everybody. Um, yeah, th- this is this is the Joker falling into the vat of chemicals moment. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. So at the Ark, while all this is going on, uh, Optimus Prime's skull is uh, talking to uh, Buster and saying, you know what, this is going to be fun. We're going to connect a bunch of electrodes to our heads, and we're going to mind meld. And the process kind of knocks out Buster, and he's, uh, he's out cold on the floor. Shockwave comes back and uh, basically tells Megatron, I've managed to do more in one hour than you've done this entire time you've been on Earth. And that doesn't make Megatron too happy. So he rips himself from the apparatus that's repairing him, and starts a, a fight with uh, Shockwave, blasting him out of Mount St. Hillary across the town. I forget the name of the town in Oregon that they're at. But Shockwave ends up landing, smashing the uh, Valleymont High School, I believe. And so you've got a very, you got a very uh, cool Godzilla-like battle happening in this small town in Oregon. Um, I just recently saw um, Pacific Rim, and this is just reminding me of that, just the (laughs) battle of these two robots are having in the middle of town here. Uh, Shockwave does kick Megatron's ass, uh, hauls him back to the Ark, and uh, basically just says, you're you're a joke, and uh, I don't know why, but I'm going to continue repairing you. Buster comes to. uh, He's not aware that this mind meld has uh, pretty much transferred over uh, all the powers of the Matrix to his head. He stumbles out of the Ark. And he and Ratchet are just like, what are we going to do next? And that ends the issue. Have you? Did you recently read this one too, Charles? Yes, I did. I did reread this one. You know, I'm, I'm really getting the sense that the artists, they're like so happy to draw people because they're used to drawing people that they just kill it where people are concerned. But, you know, and Shockwave doesn't look too bad, but like Megatron and Optimus Prime, they're, they're still not sure how to, how to draw these straight lines, I feel. I was just going to say, you're actually really right on that, because Budiansky said that last year. Did he really? Yeah. He said that the, the artists, when he started the, writing the comic book, he said the artists that he got were really not overly happy uh, to be drawing uh, robots. They wanted to be doing superheroes, so they really wanted to do people. So they weren't overly thrilled to be doing robots. 
It's kind of a, 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 a bummer, you know, to hear that because the guys, you know, they pioneered the, the look of the Transformers at the start. But yeah, they at the time they were doing it, Transformers was just a this, you know, this really new thing that had no audience. But these guys, they wanted to draw Spider-Man and Batman and all that kind of stuff. And so they really, they didn't want to do the robots. They probably saw it as being, you know, drawing a toy ad. Yeah. And they probably felt it was demeaning. Probably, yeah. But yeah, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. These guys, they wanted to do people. Huh. Well, I mean, it, it shows. I just, you know, now that you say that, it makes me wonder, were they trying to purposely draw them badly then? I don't know. I, d- I doubt it. I mean, you go to school to do art and stuff like that. How many how many robot comics were out prior to Transformers kind of thing? I mean, there's always something, but Transformers always had a, a very a very interesting or a very original look to it. You know, they had they always were kind of boxy. They weren't Robotech or anything like that, but they you know came from that kind of line. But then did Robotech have a comic? I don't think so. You know, they they weren't like they weren't lost in space robots. You know, kind of thing. They were their own thing. Right. right. So these guys were trying to figure out the exact way to draw these things, right? And they were coming from schools or or backgrounds in, in which they've drawn buildings or or you know superheroes, people. So yeah, the the idea of drawing a, a, a robot was something that they weren't really used to, and they had to all get used to it in a very short period of time. And I'm sure a lot of them weren't overly happy. Well, that's too bad because they've influenced a whole generation of artists. Oh yeah, for sure they have. You could also look at it as some of the really bad drawings here probably inspired the people doing it now to be like, well, I can do it much better. Yeah, of right. course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to remember that at the time, for for the artists and, and writers doing this work, this was really just a job for them. I think, you know, now you have Transformers artists and writers who, for them, Transformers is their passion. And, you know, a lot of superhero comics... They 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 were created by the people who made them, so it was a passion for them. But for Transformers, it was a toy property owned by by a toy company, so it was you know very much you know just a job for a lot of these guys. Right. Well, I want to encourage anybody that wants to read along with us to pick up IDW's reissue Transformers Classics Volume One, which. Daryl, I'm sure, is selling a bunch of at his Giant Robots comics. Oh, so uh, give give him a call. He'll ship them out to you, and uh, you guys can follow along with us. And don't forget to check out Yoshi's blog. He's been reviewing them. I, I think I failed to mention that last in the last episode, but please keep checking out his blog. He's done a great job reviewing each issue. You're too kind, sir. <laughs> Uh, and just one one final thing, there were a couple of choice lines I really liked in this this issue. Like when when Megatron initially confronts Shockwave, you know he says, "Shockwave, you are relieved of command," and then blasts him through the mountain. I just thought <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> I want a poster of that. <laughs> and yeah, the the whole the whole fight with Shockwave, and then at the end when Shockwave beats Megatron, you know Megatron wants a quick death. But Shockwave's like, no, you're going to be a lesson to the other Decepticons. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep you alive. I love that when I'm watching the the old cartoon, too. Because at least every episode, there's one line where I'm like, I'm going to use that today. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and say what you will about the art, but when they were fighting through this, the town, that really did give you a, a good sense of scale. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the huge robots. It really... It, there's something about this issue, something that brings it home that they don't really do a whole lot of. At least they, as far as I'm at, yet they don't. And it's, 
I don't know. I, I think, you know, they, they keep introducing these human characters to, to, I guess, get it to relate to the readers. But I, I think anybody can get behind the fact that their town just got destroyed or their high school. Came. I mean, God, those kids don't have to go to school for a while. I bet they're stoked. <laughs> well, except where are they going to go? Their homes are probably destroyed, too. Yeah, well, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One one thing that, you know, I'm I didn't really read the Marvel comics growing up, so I'm going through it now. And sh- like sh- the Shockwave Megatron dynamic is completely different in the cartoon. Was that ever like confusing when you were reading it as the show was on? Yeah, I was just going to say for me, I kind of just understood that they were separate continuities and separate animals. So oh. I was fine with it. I actually enjoyed this Shockwave better than the Shockwave in the cartoon. And actually, I, I think Bob Budiansky wrote all the tech specs for the toys, so the Shockwave character in yeah. the comic is closer to the tech spec, where it says, you know, he logic he he has logically figured out that since he he's the most fit to lead the Decepticons, so he should logically take over. An evil Mister Spock. I mean, first time <laughs> right. I, the first issue that he's in, it's like ah, oh, that that that's it. That's how I can see this character, and that's why he's such a badass. Exactly. All right, so. Uh, we're going to wrap up our comic section and move on to TV news. So, uh, by the time this podcast goes up, uh, Transformers Prime, Beast Hunters, Predacons Rising will have aired on The Hub, and so we're going to give our review of that episode. So, there are lots of spoilers here, so if you're waiting for the DVD release... Please skip ahead. Uh, we'll tell you uh, how much to skip ahead in the show notes. Uh, but we're going to talk about what we thought about this movie. So, Daryl, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I'll do that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cybertronian Beast, why don't you start us off? <laughs> Daryl numbers zero. <laughs> the original. Um, yeah, I, I really, really liked the uh, the movie. Other than the fact that it was like an hour and a half long, so it definitely made up for like, what was that, four episodes in a row? That was fantastic. The best part for me, the entire movie, there was not one human. So that definitely made it for me. I uh, I loved that fact. The entire movie took place on Cybertron, which was great, but it did leave some plot holes that, uh, you know, I don't think are ever going to be filled. We never got, uh, we never found out what happens to uh, Arachna, uh, yeah, Arachna, or Arachnia? Ara- Arachnid. Arachnid, yes. We never found out what happens to Arachnid, or her zombie, you know, self with her Insecticons, and, uh, you know, they're on the planet too, right? So. I think they're on a moon. Are they on a moon? Well, I mean, she's got a, a, an army of flying bots. She, she could right. get to the planet if she really wanted to. And, uh, yeah, I mean, all of the other Predacons that we've been getting toys for forever, where are they? We only saw, what is it, uh, Skylinks and Dreadwing? Darksteel. Darksteel. So, yeah, it's, um, I was a little disappointed that we didn't see all the other Predacons that we've been getting toys for since they launched the line. I was expecting an army's worth. And we did get an army. I mean, we got, you know, a zombie army. But, uh, I was expecting, uh you know, a functional, you know, speakable army. Yeah, Jeremy, what did you think? I enjoyed it for the most part. Like Daryl said, it, it, was, it was actually nice having no humans in this at all. It's a pretty good end cap on the Transformers Prime series. I 
kind of enjoyed what they did with the whole Unicron Megatron thing where, you know, Megatron is there still in his head seeing what's happening and, you know, go doing that going back and forth between Megatron or with between Unicron and himself. I didn't really like what they did at the end where Megatron's like, you know, he basically learned his lesson and he, you know, said he knew how it feels to be, oh, how do you put it, like, you know, dominated or, you know. Oppressed or something, yeah. Oppressed, something like that. And, you know, so he's like, you know, I'm I'm out. And I don't know, I, I mean, I can understand the motivation there in, in the writing and, you know, it kind of makes sense, but I still, it just, it doesn't really fit what I see as, you know, in Megatron, because, I mean, he had done so many, so many horrible things. I don't know, that just didn't fit. Yeah, after four million years of tyranny, you don't just change your mind because somebody controlled you for an hour. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I mean, I did I did really enjoy Bumblebee in this. I mean, actually having a voice. I, I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah, they had veteran voice actor mm-hmm. uh, Will Friedel, I think, who was... Yeah, who's Terry McGinnis in Batman Beyond. Right, exactly. So, Giant Robot so, Comics Daryl, what did you think <laughs> of the um, movie? I loved the movie. Uh, I'm upset that I'll never find out if June and Agent Fowler get together and Jack gets a new dad. Uh, That That was what I was watching that movie for. That's what fanfic is for. (laughs) We could probably... You wanted a wedding. (laughs) I sure did. Um, No, I love the movie. Um, The whole thing with Megatron at the end is like weird, but it kind of reminded me of the end of the return of Optimus Prime when Galvatron's like, there'll be no battle today. And he just kind of walks off like a big wuss. And I was like, that kind of reminded me of that. I thought it was really interesting and weird that we only got like the two Predacons when we could have easily had Grimwing at least pop in as well, since he's the same model, just different colors. Yeah. I think those two Predacons are the target exclusive Predacons, right? So maybe target had a deal for the movie or something. I don't know. Probably. I mean, I know they have a huge Beast Hunters end cap in their stores right now. So, uh, Yoshi, I know you watched the movie, but you haven't watched any of Transformers Prime previously, so going into it cold, what did you think? Do you really want to know? <laughs> sure, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, keep in mind that, honestly, I've only ever watched the original shit from the 80s. I haven't watched Beast Hunters, I haven't Beast Wars, I haven't watched anything. This is the first thing I've seen. And... For me, as somebody who desperately wants to find something new Transformers-related to get behind, this just wasn't it for me. The animation seemed lackluster. The backgrounds seemed very blasé to me. At the end, when uh, Optimus Prime, was, uh, his life was coming to an end, my wife came around the corner just as that was happening. And as soon as that whole scene was over, she's like, did they learn nothing from 1986? <laughs> I wanted to like it, and I didn't. And I, I, I watched it twice, even, just to make sure I wasn't missing <laughs> something. I just, I, it wasn't for me. Oh, that's that's no problem, Yoshi. That's, that's as enough. polite as I can be about it. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And, yeah, definitely, I can see, you know, just coming into this cold, it, it definitely doesn't doesn't do a lot for new watchers, basically. Yeah, you really needed the context of the entire show, and that, that may Which be is it. also kind of polarizing in its own that right. That may be it. And maybe when I get 
caught up to the end of the whole regeneration one thing and I'm and and IDW has decided not to do something else with that storyline or that timeline or that mythology then I'll I'll give some of this other stuff a whole start from the get-go and see if I can get into it but it just wasn't for me we should do a live like recording as he's watching it <laughs> get, get his live reaction five minutes into it what the fuck is this shit oh, no. <laughs> That would be fun. We should mystery science theater some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Put that on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a good end to the series, and I agree with with the points that were raised about Megatron's change of heart that kind of didn't didn't really jive with me. Um, and I also, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of, you, you don't really expect it since it's, you know, a, a computer animated show, CGI models are expensive. And, you know, I was just expecting maybe we got a few more, you know, Autobots or Decepticons returning to Cybertron, and we didn't really see anybody else other than the cast uh, from the... Yeah, I was really hoping for something Dinobot-related. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I wasn't expect. I was hoping, but I wasn't expecting there to- anything to be there. Uh, one thing I-, I thought was interesting was when Bulkhead was trying to repair parts of the city, did he get recruit some Viacons to help him out? Yep. So that's... Yeah, that that was interesting. That I guess a bunch of Viacons had decided the war was over. What else are they going to do? Steve needs work. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, you had one other thing uh, for a movie news, TV and movie news. Yeah, it, I ran across this on um, TFW two thousand five. There was, I think this is for the UK and Europe. There's this magazine called Toy News. I guess covers the industry, and they had an insert. That was Transformers focused, going over basically all the new toys and, you know, saying, you know, this is how great we are. I mean, these are the popular things. Gave a quick, you know, history of of the franchise. But what I thought was really interesting was towards the end, they had a generic um, calendar basically going through quarter four of 2013 all the way through quarter four of 2014 so you know the current one it it mentions beast hunters and construct bots i mean the current stuff that's out in quarter one they still have beast hunters listed um i believe it's just going to be toy related and also we should be getting our first movie trailer for the new movie quarter two it it all says is product on shelf may 1st i'm thinking that's related to the movie as well because Quarter 3 of 2014 is when the movie comes out in July. And then in quarter 4, the movie will be, you know, on DVD and Blu-ray and all that. But they also say, said all new animated event. So that's probably when the successor to Prime or, or whatever the new series is going to be is going to kick off. So, I mean, we hadn't really seen this anywhere else. And I thought it was pretty interesting, you know, how we now kind of know what to expect. Yeah, so I'm I'm a little bit surprised that they're not having the new show come a little bit earlier. I mean, it's the 30th anniversary. I think they'd want their new cartoons front and center, but yeah, but Michael Bay pay, takes precedence. <laughs> I mean, he he's probably dictate dictating some of that. Yeah, but they do also have the generations line that's kind of you know for the the collectors and the fans. Right. Okay. So that'll wrap up our uh, TV and movie news. And now we're going to move on to our trips to the store. So uh, I'll start with our guest, Daryl. Since you own a store, uh, have you 
picked anything up for yourself or, or kept, you know, kept a few things behind the counter so that you keep for yourself? Uh, newest thing I got for myself, uh, I got the newest wave of bot shots. Tracked them there, down at a local Walmart. Oh, awesome. Because I'm, I'm a crazy collector and I love them bot shots. <laughs> Are these the ones that flip as well as Yes, I just got roll? the Starscream that flips and there's a uh, spinning Megatron and they're all hilarious and adorable. Cool. Uh, how, how many were in the pack? Uh, I believe there was six. Nope, five. All there right. Yellow Inferno, Spin Shot Megatron, Twin Strike, who looks so much like Center Twin, Hound, and then a see-through and awesome-looking Skywarp. Cool. And then in my mailbox, I got a breakdown from the Collector's Club. Ah, oh, nice. And he wasn't damaged like my circuit was. <laughs> What happened to your uh, Pretty much all the paint off the spikes was stuck on the cardboard box that he was wrapped in. Ah, uh, okay. Mine did the same thing. Yeah, it was actually punched right through the, the first layer of cardboard, and all the paint was there, and I was like, awesome. Yeah. I also had one of the wheel spikes just fall off. Yeah, I, I wonder if they get the uh, the third-rate uh, guys putting them together in the factories. So might, might this be an issue now, since we have two data points here of people getting figures damaged? Uh, is there... Something that they're gonna, the collectors club is gonna do to, to compensate people for this. I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't had a chance to contact them about mine yet, but like at Botcon, you'll get some of the the Botcon exclusive figures that have some damage, and they actually just swap them out right there. You you just go to the um, the booth they have set up with the toy. You know, they they look at it and they're like, okay, well here's a replacement. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they have some held back for that, but we probably just need to contact them and say it's it one of those things. It's it's frustrating, but it's not. It doesn't bother me to an, a level of I like. I'm going to phone them or send them an email. It's just a, a mild inconvenience. Right. And you could probably get some, you know, silver paint or something and just fix it yourself. It's kind of like a weird, sickening pink. All right, uh, Cybertronian Beast. What did you pick up this week? Uh, I almost had nothing for this week, but I luckily got together with some local Transformers fans on Friday night, and I went over to the home of a collector over in Elmer, who has an enormous collection, like mind-bogglingly enormous, and he was uh, going to sell some stuff at the uh, comic, or what is it called, 80s Toy Expo this weekend in Richmond Hill. So he was showing me some stuff, and he had a G1 Ultra Magnus, incomplete and in need of a lot of love. Like, this thing was beat. So I just, I picked that up from him. Worked out a really sweet deal with him. And, and yeah, so I posted some pictures up here of uh, the alt mode and the robot mode. And it's uh, it's pretty good. I like it. He looks it's, like he's been a chain smoker. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think he said that uh, he got it from a friend of his who, who found it in his, like, it was his son's. And it was in, it's been in, like, the garage forever kind of thing. Mm. So it's, uh... It's weathered. <laughs> and it, he, he's missing the Ultra Magnus head, I guess. So. Yeah, he's missing the Ultra Magnus head. He's missing the gun, and he's missing one of the shoulder rockets. But, and uh, his doors. Oh, yeah, and the, and the leg doors. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on cleaning them up. I've already decluttered the arms, because the arms have that sliding mechanism, right? So I've already cleaned those up, and they work really nicely now. So I'm going to work on replacing some pieces here and there, maybe getting a new cab because the you know the cab on them is completely destroyed. Uh, and then I'll get some some parts from I don't know 
somewhere I'll get some parts. Probably next uh, next year at TFCon, I'll, I'll go to Russ's table and get some parts. And finish them up. Did, I just did a, use the hydrogen peroxide on a, uh, a skull cruncher that I've got, and it turned them out beautifully, and I bet it would do the same with the uh, the white on that Magnus. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'm definitely going to uh, mess around with them a bit. The part that I want to replace that's going to be a bitch is the, the base of the trailer, the red piece. It's got a, a nice big old crack in one of the uh, in one of the parts, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get one of those, and it's gonna be a bit of a pain. But other than that, I think the blue bits are gonna need some some washing, essentially just some washing. The white, yeah, I'll definitely try to uh, to brighten those up with some peroxide. But he's got I got both fists, even on the uh, for the cab. I have one fist for the cab, like the Ultra Magnus, you know, cab fist for the for the you know the Ultra Optimus Prime looking you know, robot mode. But yeah, it's uh, it definitely needs a little bit of love. And I like a project. Most of my G1s that I have right now, I've, I've completed, and I don't mind, you know, tinkering away on one. It gives me something to do. It's a nice little fixer-upper. Exactly. All right, cool. So, uh, Jeremy, what did you pick up this week? Uh, I got the digital versions of More Than Meets the Eye 21 and Beast Hunters number 5. I haven't had a chance to go and actually pick up the physical copies yet from my comic store, but I got both of those, and then I also got the Collector's Club Breakdown from the subscription service. And I haven't had too much time to mess with it yet, but just from my little bit of time I've had with it, it feels really loose. So I'm I'm not sure if I'm doing something wrong or if that's just how the figure is, but and I, I might give a, a more full review next week after I've had some some time to really spend with it. Okay. And Yoshi, what did you get? Well, Toys R Us finally shipped out my Masterpiece Soundwave, so I have a toy. <laughs> and I, I love this thing. This thing was, it, it came in a box about four times bigger than the box it needed to be shipped in. The box that Soundwave's actually in is really cool because you can easily put them back when you're done if you're going to keep the box if you're one of those people. I am thinking about, and I'm curious what you guys think, but I've got a, there's a little RPG store that's right down the street from me. I was thinking about taking them in and seeing what people had for advice about actually changing his eyes from yellow to red. That's a good question. Um, I've been asked a couple times, you know, what people would you know want to do. Um, the head, I don't think the head comes apart uh, very easily. To, to do that, and if you do get it apart, you're probably going to damage the head. My my advice for doing something like that, I would probably go with a like a, a Gundam marker, something very very fine, or or even a sharpie if you really really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, something that you can control, because even going with a paint, you're you're gonna it's gonna screw up. And I don't trust myself, and I don't know how much painting you do, but the fact that you can't get the head apart and paint the section by itself. Uh, means that it's you, you, you might uh, you might end up getting some paint on the side. Okay. Well, if I, I I'm not I'm not confident enough with myself to do it, and if nobody down there feels confident, then I'm just not going to worry about it. But I, you know, it would be nice to have. I'm not sure how good it is. I just found a video. Someone said how to give masterpiece Soundwave red eyes. Just posted the YouTube link. Oh, okay. But like I said, I, I haven't actually watched it, so don't blame me if it actually sucks. But I, I think if. If you go and, you know, find some people that are used to painting those small, you know, tabletop figures and they aren't confident, then you might you might just want to go and buy the Japanese version. Nah, I think I'm done buying toys for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
A hundred bucks is too much. Yeah, it's just it was enough, you know. And you know, when you compare this to the to the masterpiece Optimus Prime, I, I have to say, you know, I love the fact that I can put this one back if I want to easily. Where it's a real pain in the ass if you take out the the Optimus Prime masterpiece. All right, so I will end the segment here with what I picked up this week. So. I got to the comic shop and I picked up paper copies of More Than Meets the Eye number 21, which we reviewed last episode, and uh, Beast Hunters number 5. And I'm pretty happy. I really enjoyed More Than Meets the Eye number 21, so it's nice to be able to flip through it and, and reread it. It's, it was a great story, and I'm really looking forward now to uh, what's coming up next. Uh, in addition to... Uh, the comics I picked up, so this wasn't something that I picked up, but my wife actually took uh, my younger son out shopping this afternoon. I didn't know what they were going to get, but apparently they got his Halloween costume. So they came home and they were kind of whispering to each other. They were very secretive. They were trying to hide things from me. I was like, what's what's going on? Why are they, why are they being so secretive? And then they said, okay, we got something we want to show you. And my son came down and he was movie Optimus Prime for Halloween. So he was... That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it was it was very it was a nice surprise and my wife and son I think they did it just for me. My my son likes Transformers but he's he's definitely not into them like I am. So but he was excited to you know that he got he's getting to be Optimus Prime this year for Halloween and it even it even comes with a little his hand transforms into a little gun. So he he was shooting my <laughs> he was shooting my 2-year-old daughter with his gun. I was like, you know, Optimus Prime's a good guy. He probably wouldn't be blowing <laughs> blowing away a two-year-old girl. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he looked like I'm sure that's much better than the the old plastic masks that we had when we were a kid. Yeah, I, I don't know. It it looked pretty pretty much the same. I mean, it, it it's oh. it's a it's about you know it wasn't the you know it wasn't like the the the, the nice uh, talking Optimus Prime head that you can buy in the store. It was just you know the plastic mask. But yeah, but it was nice. He he looked like he liked it, so I'm sure he'll enjoy it when he gets to go. That's all that matters. Yeah, when he gets to go trick or treating and everything. All right, so I think uh, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Uh, again, I want to thank Daryl Wall from Giant Robot Comics for joining us this week. Uh, we really appreciate you spending some time with us and talking Transformers with us. Sure, thanks for having me. And of course, our regular crew here. We're gonna sign off. So, Jeremy. All right. See you guys next week. Daryl. Or yeah. Cybertronian Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, listening, guys, and we'll talk to you later. And Yoshi. Thanks for coming on, Mr. Wall. It was really nice. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for picking up our transmission. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.